Hi, everyone. Welcome to Worship Online. If you're here for the very first time online with us, we're so glad you're with us. If you are a regular part of New Life, part of the New Life family, I miss seeing you so much, but I'm so glad we can be together like this. I can't wait to be with all of you. And for those of you who have joined us over the past 10 weeks, I can't wait to meet you when we can finally get back in the building for our worship together. But tonight, today, we're going to be finishing up a series, or actually next to the last message in a series called Experiencing New Life. It's a seven-week series. We're in the sixth week. And what we're talking about is experiencing the new life of Jesus Christ, the life that changes us from the inside out forever. And also what we're talking about is experiencing new life Christian ministries. We're talking about the seven core values that make new life the church family that we are. It's what we pursue in our life together to become more and more like Jesus. So I once heard a pastor say, when a new person comes to your church or joins you online for the very first time, they have three questions, whether those questions are conscious or subconscious, and here they are. Are they like me? Do they like me? And do I want to be like them? Well, I can only answer one of those questions for you tonight. I can answer the second question. Yes, we like you. We like you so much because because you're alive. I mean, that's basically all it takes for you to be liked here at New Life. We know one thing. God likes us just the way that, that we are, so we like you just the way that you are. Now, whether you think that we're like you, that's up for you to decide. What I will tell you is we're ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. We don't have all the spots on our dominoes, so if you're perfect, then you're not like us. But I'm guessing that you're probably a lot like us. The last question is, do you want to be like us? And that's why we're having this series, really, because it tells us who we are and it tells you who we are. It tells us as a church family what it means to be a member of New Life Christian Ministries and to live our life in Jesus Christ the way he calls us to live by these seven biblical standards. And I'm going to go over all these uh, seven core values, even though we've only talked about five of them so far, just so you can see what they are. We follow Jesus as the number one core value here at New Life. Then the second one is we love each other. We care for the lost. We engage in worship. We trust the Bible. We live in the Spirit, and we give generously. When each one of us lives out those seven core values, then every one of us experiences God. And the thing is, when we live out those core values in our daily lives, then that means that our family, our friends, our coworkers, and even those in school, when we can finally get back to normal and go back to school, will see God in us, and they will get to experience that as well. As I said last weekend, these seven core values aren't just pretty words that hang on a sign out in the gathering area outside our worship center. They're actually who we seek to be as followers of Jesus Christ. So if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, then we really need core value number six. We live in the Spirit. Of our seven core values, that's probably the one that needs the most explanation. While nearly every orthodox or right-believing church in America would say that they follow one God who expresses himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, a lot of churches really don't think too much or say too much about the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you something that I learned very early in my life. Apart from the Holy Spirit, I am helpless to live my life fully. Now, as with any of you, I'm not helpless to live my life. I mean, God has given me some native intelligence, and I grew up in a family with Clyde and Ruth Marshall who had common sense. So with a little bit of intelligence and common sense, I would have done okay. But God didn't create us to do okay. God created us to reflect 
the image of God himself. That's who we were created to be. As we'll see in tonight's scripture, today's scripture, God intends for us to live lives filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but when I'm living in my own power, that does not describe my life. I need the Holy Spirit, and not as some abstract concept or a vague force, but as a living presence in me to help me live, and not just to help me, but to, to live through me so I can live that life in Jesus Christ. Several weeks ago, Pastor Barry was talking about our second core value, we love one another. And in his introduction, he talked about how various members of the New Life staff expressed different expressions of the Myers-Briggs type indicator. And then he talked about the Star Wars characters that each of us are. And he, he mentioned that Pastor Mark and I are ENFPs, which means that we're sort of outgoing, we're, we, we're the life of the party kind of people by nature. But what he didn't tell you is we also don't believe in rules. We just believe they're sort of guidelines that you sort of go by. Pastor Barry uh, told us what character we would be if we were in Star Wars, and that I actually am pretty excited about is Qui-Gon Jinn is my character. Now, if you know anything about Star Wars, Qui-Gon Jinn was a Jedi Knight who decided against the Jedi Council's wishes to make Anakin Skywalker into a Jedi. Now, if you follow Star Wars, you already know that Anakin Skywalker grew up to be Darth Vader. And even if you don't like Star Wars, you probably know that Darth Vader wasn't a very good guy. Then Barry told us that his personality, the INTJ, is represented in Star Wars by Emperor Palpatine, the evil mastermind uh, who was going to control the universe and blow up every planet that wouldn't go along with him. Now, he told us that he's also Loki in the Avengers, in case you don't know, that's a bad guy. He's also uh, Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter, that's also a bad guy. And then he is Batman in the DC comic series, and Batman's sort of a good guy that's sort of like, sort of bad. But anyway, so 25% of the people are good that Pastor Barry represents. And what he said that night whenever he was talking, he said, now some of you are downright nervous, but remember, we're talking about how once we come into relationship with Jesus, once he becomes the Lord and Savior of our lives, he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to transform us from the inside out and give us a new life. And that is my point. Any good in the Jedi's in Star Wars came from mythical microscopic creatures known as midichlorians that lived inside of them. The evil that turned the emperor to the dark side or Darth Vader and, and which actually tried to turn Luke Skywalker to the dark side was the opposite of the good side of the force. Now please, 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 please understand what I'm saying right here. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit is not, the Holy Spirit is not a mythical force. He is the living presence of the God of the universe for everyone who has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That crucial truth is why we say that we live in the Spirit. If you've had much to do with churches over the years, you probably know that churches sort of come in one of two, two extremes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There are those churches that really don't think much about the Holy Spirit because they think of the Holy Spirit more or less as our conscience, sort of that inner voice that tells us to do what's right and keeps us from doing what's wrong. They don't really believe that the Holy Spirit is active in the way he was in the early church. Like when you read in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit did amazing things through the early church people. They would heal sick people. They would make paralyzed people able to walk. Even dead people would rise from the dead at their touch because they were reflecting the very presence and power and nature of Jesus in their lives through the Holy Spirit. 
Now, they will acknowledge that God does occasionally still heal people, but that isn't how he works ordinarily. The early church often saw manifestations of the Holy Spirit in special gifts, such as speaking in tongues or discerning of spirits or prophecy or administration. These two are no longer available in the same way, according to such folks. Now, at the other extreme, we have the churches that basically say you can't be a member unless you speak in tongues and manifest some other gifts of the Holy Spirit. Their worship services are often emotionally charged, and to an outsider, they can even seem weird. So here at New Life, we acknowledge that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because that's what the Bible actually says about God. That means that when we say we live in the Spirit, that we believe that the Holy Spirit is still active in our lives today, that he still does operate in miracles as he did back in those days. And when church people ask me, what kind of church is new life? What I ordinarily say is simply this, new life is a low-key, full gospel church. For those of you who maybe don't know Jesus yet, or maybe you're not familiar with church terminology, all that means is that we believe that the Holy Spirit is real and active. That's why he can change people like Pastor Barry and me from people who might be the you know, evil dictator or the person who doesn't care about rules to someone who becomes more and more like Jesus in our daily lives. We don't have to be what our personalities say we might turn out to be because the Holy Spirit can change us to become more and more like Jesus. So let's look today at the take-home point for a simple summary of what I've said so far. If you're new with us, Uh, as you're watching online, what the take-home point simply means that we want you to take it home, and and now that we're in yellow, you don't have to stay at home. You can go out and take it out into the world this week too, but you can be changed from the inside out by living out what we're about to say, and here it is. We only live fully when we live in the Holy Spirit's power. We only live fully when we live in the Holy Spirit's power. Two of the biggest criticisms that unchurched people make about church people these days is that we're haters and that we're hypocrites. Now, let's be clear. Apart from the Holy Spirit's power, we are haters and we are hypocrites. Jesus' followers aren't perfect even after we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and and we start living in the Holy Spirit's power. But when the Holy Spirit starts working in us, the change from our natural fallen state begins, and this process of becoming like Jesus starts in our lives. Now, the Bible has a really long word to explain what it is, this process of change. It's called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus as we commit ourselves to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit lead us. So let's turn to the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatian church and see how he offers us one of the most important and helpful explanations of how we can live out this process and why we struggle to let go of the hate and the hypocrisy that's in all of us as human beings at our birth um, and, and how we can start to live more and more in the power of Jesus. So if you have your Bible or a Bible app, would you turn with me to Galatians chapter five, verse 16. And if you're not really familiar with the Bible, if you have a Bible app, well, you can just go to Galatians. But if you have an actual Bible, it's almost towards the end of the Bible. It's getting really far in the back. So Galatians five sixteen. Before we turn there, though, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you created us to be like you, to reflect your image and your likeness, to be a creative being, a loving being, a truthful being. And God, we recognize that our first ancestors fell away from that, deciding that they wanted to be God. And because of that, God, we we struggle. We struggle to be like Jesus. 
So tonight as we turn to these words of truth and life, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will open up our hearts, our minds, our spirits, that we can receive your truth and become more like you, and that we will not only become more like you, but we will live more like you, that we will live in the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at the passage, a verse or two at a time, and then talk about those verses. Paul wrote, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So Paul sets up the players here. First of all, he says there's a Holy Spirit, and then there's a sinful nature. Some of them, you know, older translations say the flesh. So there's the Holy Spirit, and there's the flesh. And the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and born again. That's what Jesus called it. So the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he starts to live in us. But here's the thing. The old nature doesn't die the moment the Holy Spirit comes inside. And the Bible says that we are made up of three parts. We have a body, which we can all see. It's the physical part of us. We have a soul, and that soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will. And then we have a spirit, and that spirit is dormant until Jesus becomes Lord and Savior in our lives. And then the Spirit comes alive and connects with the Holy Spirit, and then he starts to lead, the Holy Spirit starts to lead our spirit, and we start to live out in our mind, our emotions, our will, in our body, in the ways of Jesus Christ. Our spirits seek to do that, and yet the challenge is the old sinful nature, the flesh is still there. We, we're, we're in this internal battle, and it really is a battle. Actually, Paul calls it a war. It's a struggle that continues from the day we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, really until the day we go see Jesus at the end of our lives. So once the Holy Spirit is in our lives, he teaches us the ways of Jesus. He shows us how to live like Jesus. He empowers us to do the things that Jesus wants us to do. And at the same time, the sinful nature craves sin. So Paul explained it this way. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. In one sense, we would think that this fight inside of us is really no contest, right? I mean, after all, if the Holy Spirit's in one corner and you or I are in the other corner and the bell rings and we come to the center of the ring, who's going to win that fight? The Holy Spirit, hands down. There, there's no contest. So why is it that we are not instantly perfect the moment that Jesus becomes Lord and Savior in our lives? Well, the real answer to that question is God never forces you or me to do anything. Let me say that again. God never forces you or me to do anything. God loves us, so he won't manipulate us. He, he provides us the power to be transformed from the inside out into the new creation in Jesus Christ that he created us to be, but he leaves it up to us whether we say yes or no to actually receiving that power. Paul told us the outcome when, he, when we say yes. He says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So what does that mean? What it means is when the Holy Spirit is leading us, empowering us, guiding us, we don't need any written laws to tell us what to do because by our new nature, the nature of the Holy Spirit, we will actually live the kind of life we were created to live. Next, Paul offers us a descriptive list of what happens when we follow the desires of our sinful natures instead of the Holy Spirit's. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, 
outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as you listen to that list, as you read it in your Bible or you saw it on the screen, did one or two of those sins jump out at you? Every time I read that list, the one that always stands out to me is outbursts of anger. For most of my life, I lost the fight when it came to the Holy Spirit and my struggle with outbursts of anger. For some reason, I just wouldn't let the Holy Spirit work when it came to a situation. It didn't have to be a big situation when there would be an opportunity for anger. And I'll be honest with you, this afternoon, I almost lost that battle for the first time in a long time, but I didn't. I just had my cultivator repaired. It ran for about 12 minutes and it stopped running and I pulled the the cord on that thing about 50 times and let it cool off. (laughs) Maybe let me cool off. And I tried again and it still didn't work. But the point is, Many of you have told me you can't even picture me being angry. But those of you who have been around for more than 12 years, you can picture it really well because I used to come out even at times in a worship service. And the thing is, it didn't matter. I mean, I tried really hard. I have to tell you, I couldn't do it. I tried really hard. You know, I would count to 10. I would walk away. I would do all the stuff they say, and then I would explode anyway. It's just the way that it worked. And I've heard a few people say when they read this list, they go, well, I I don't do any of those things. I mean, that's not me. I mean, that's bad people. I'm not like that at all. Really? Well, if you think that none of those things on that list apply to you, there is probably one thing that isn't on the list when Paul said other things of that nature. It's called lying. Because all of us struggle with something that's on this list or something that's on the list of things that's against the nature and will of God. Paul told us it's, just basically how we live when the sinful nature or the flesh is in control. The reason people often see Christians as haters or hypocrites is we fail to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. And when we do, the default is that list. And when we live out according to that list, but we say that we're followers of Jesus, people rightly see the the difference. And that is hypocrisy. We simply fail to live out the life that we have available to us because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And here's, here's the thing. Um, some people have said to me, well, you know, I think I'm better than most people. I think I'm good enough. But when it comes to living life in the Holy Spirit, there is no good enough. There is no better than most people. Either we do it or we don't do it. And thankfully, this struggle isn't a one and done thing. Like the first time I got angry, God said, well, look, you know, you didn't let the Holy Spirit lead, so I'm done with you. It's not like that at all. God is a very patient being, and he gives us time and time again. God doesn't give up on us because our sinful nature wins the battle once or twice or a hundred times or a thousand times. As Paul told us, it's a struggle. It's a lifelong struggle that's within us. That's why we aren't free to do what we want. We must submit to living in the Holy Spirit's power, and by his leading, we change. And that's why we say we live in the Spirit we live. Living is a process. It's a, it's a process of growth over time. And so we live in the Spirit. In Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, he made this statement, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when he said that, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he didn't mean one time. He meant over and over and over again that we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, those who see the Holy Spirit as our conscience, they don't really get that. They don't really see the need for that because after all, when Jesus comes into our life, 
And then the Holy Spirit comes into our life because there's only one God, right? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes in. It's a one-time thing, and then it's really just basically up, up to us to work as hard as we can to become better. But that plan is guaranteed to fail because without the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't change. Paul put it this way. He said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Holy Spirit produces. I mean, think about, it's called fruit. What, what happens in the spring right now? There are blossoms on our apple trees at home. What will happen after the blossoms? There comes a little tiny apple, and then they grow and grow and grow. It's a process. And so this process of the Holy Spirit working into our life works the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control over time. I know myself, and I know without the power of the Holy Spirit's presence, guidance, and power, I'm never gonna live life like that. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I try really, really, really hard, but it doesn't change without the Holy Spirit. So finally, 12 years ago, I yielded to the Holy Spirit's power in this area of outbursts of anger, which was my key, you might say, my signature sin, if you will. And when I do that, and when I do that today, what happens is I yield the Holy Spirit wins. And there's victory in that process. The biggest challenge that you and I face is simply this. Our sinful natures don't want to give up control. Our sinful natures want to continue to be in charge, and that's why the process of sanctification is a process. We all fight against the Holy Spirit to a greater or lesser degree, that sinful nature inside of us. We want to continue to live the old way, and until we let the Holy Spirit come in and lead, the old way prevails. Paul concluded his writing here by saying this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. In my daily prayers, I confess my sins to God, and after I confess my sins to God, I say something based on this scripture. I say, Jesus, when you died, my sins died. They were nailed to the cross, and today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to let them stay there. In other words, I want my old sinful nature to be crucified, and, and that's what Paul says. We have done that when we let the Holy Spirit lead, and that's why I also follow up that prayer by simply saying, fill me with your Holy Spirit, because God, without your Holy Spirit, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave that sinful nature on the cross. It's going to follow me wherever I go today. Paul knew the struggle. And so he challenged us to live. In fact, what did he say? He said, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's what we have to do. Every part of our lives needs to be given over and submitted and yielded to the Holy Spirit's power. And then he said something else. He said, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. How could we do that? How could, after we let the Holy Spirit lead in our lives, how could we become jealous and provoke one another? And how, all of those things that he just mentioned. Well, here's the answer. We start to live, for example, the, the victory over anger in my life starts to come and I go, whoa, I'm getting better. The truth is I'm not getting better. We don't get better. 
the Holy Spirit takes over. The old nature is still there. And so we, Paul was able to say at one point in his life, he said, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. And that's really the goal of our lives, that we let the Holy Spirit lead more and more and more so what people see is Jesus living through us. And that's what Paul meant when he said, it's no longer I, but Christ in us. If we let our sinful natures be crucified, which is what Paul said here, then we won't live this way of becoming conceited or provoking one another or being jealous of one another. And it's not about us. It's about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our daily living is either guided by the Holy Spirit or, and if it is, how can we tell if, the whole, if our daily lives are guided by the Holy Spirit? Because we live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or we're gonna live out one or more of the items on that list, or maybe most of the items on the list. I, I once, I was talking with a guy who just had, he had lived a pretty bad life, and I said, do any of these sound like you? And he looked at me and with total seriousness, and he said, every one of those sounds like me. And you know, if we're honest, every one of those things, maybe not in our actual practice, but in our thought life, it describes us. So either we're gonna live in the power of the Holy Spirit, or we're gonna live in our sinful nature. Mark Twain once said, there are no degrees of honesty. Either you're honest or you're not. And it's the same way with every sin. A little bit of inappropriate anger or an explosion of anger, they're both sin. A little bit of envy or the green monster, both sin. A little bit of this selfish ambition or Emperor Palpatine, both sin. We get to choose, we really get to choose whether we're gonna live in the spirit or struggle with sin. And even after we choose, it's still a battle, it's still a struggle, lifelong. And so that's why today's next step is this. I will live in the Holy Spirit's power this week. I will live in the Holy Spirit's power this week. Friends, there's nothing more freeing than giving up control of our lives to the Holy Spirit and letting him live through us. But as I'm gonna tell you, there's nothing more challenging than that either. But as we do that every day, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and I'll say decade by decade, the transformation happens. We start to live in a different kind of way and people start to notice. Now there's the rare person who trusts Jesus as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in and there's this radical transformation and they live out the fruit of the Spirit the first day. But for most of us, it's a lifelong process. That process of sanctification doesn't happen quickly. And it, it, sometimes it's frustrating and it's always challenging. But at the end of the process, we become what God created us to be before the foundation of the world. We become reflections of his image. The struggle is worth it. And that's why here at New Life, we live in the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you so much that the struggle that goes on inside of all of us is a struggle that we cannot win, but you have already won. And as we come to you tonight, I have a simple prayer. Just let the Holy Spirit lead in my life and the lives of everyone who is watching tonight. God, please let us give up control so that our lives can reflect you and so that other people can see you in us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.